0: Greetings, all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We are now in Lesson 70, and in the last lesson we finished with Chapter 10, and the last verse was 23. And in verse 23, which is a very, very important scripture, because that tells us also a lot about the identity of the Church of God, and the emphasis that he gave his disciples to concentrate on in terms of bringing the message to uh, his children, to the lordship of the house of Israel, to the people for whom he said he came. And as we go through the entirety of this study, it becomes clearer and clearer. Why? Because of the simplicity of the plan of God, which is just like we do in human uh, relationships, that is a proper kind of human relationships. A husband uh, becomes a husband when he has a wife, and then after that they have the children. And so, the simple plan is here, revealed from the beginning until the end. The God of Israel, who called Israel my firstborn, my son, then married that son. Of course, we are talking about spiritual relationships. And uh, Israel became the wife of God, the people of God, the church of God. And uh, we are using an English term, church, which is totally uh, uh, inappropriate in one sense, because church does not convey what God was doing uh with his people. That's something that came much later on and yet that's the terminology that uh, we have today and so at least when we say this word we should understand what it really means. And uh, It's not uh, the word that we are using that God had in mind but as we mentioned earlier, God called his people Israel and called them Eda, body of witnesses, a witnessing body and uh, they in their capacity as the wife of God, that we're going to be allied to all the nations of the earth, and through that process, they have children. If they are the firstborn, then other nations are going to be the second, the third, the fourth, and so forth. As a matter of fact, uh, when you read uh, Isaiah 19, you see, in essence, who are going to be the next two. Because God talks there about three nations that are going to be sort of a trio. One is Egypt to the, to the south of Israel, the other one is Assyria to the north, and he's referring to them as my people, so apparently these are the two nations that God is going to deal with. And earlier we mentioned uh, the identity of Assyria, and it's not necessarily the German people who are in Europe, but it's talking about the land and the people who are in the north, to the north of Israel, which today include the territory of Syria, and northern Syria, and uh, part of uh, uh, anciently northern uh, Babylon, too. And uh, this is where uh, Abraham sent his children back east, when he wanted Isaac to be the only and the sole inheritor, according to God's promise. And so that's basically speaking about the, the children of Abraham and the wives of Abraham, as I mentioned earlier. Hagar was in the south. And uh, Keturah was sent back east, and uh, basically uh, some of his his children were all up north. And so, anyway, that's, uh, some may say it's a speculation, might be, but seems to be very reasonable. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that when Christ sent his disciples, let when we read in Matthew 28, and he told them, go you therefore into all the world, and some get the concept that uh, into all the world means uh, China and India and Pakistan and all those places and uh, every uh, corner on the face of the earth, because now we're going God was going to start a new organization, a separate entity, totally apart from Israel, and they are basically out of off the map. Well, that's not what he had in mind. This is the deception that began 2,000 years ago uh, that produced the counterfeit church, what God had in mind is sending his disciples to his own people, his own wife, to prepare the way for the rest of the nations to come to him. And in the process, individuals of them were being called also, who were not of Israel, when well, the disciples went and preached, because obviously where Israel was, there were also Gentiles. And then, in specific, he sent the Apostle Paul to three categories of people, kings, nations, and the children of Israel. Some people forget that. Though he was the apostle to the uncircumcision, uh, a part of his commission was also to the circumcision. And it's on the foundation of the circumcision that he built uh, the different congregations wherever he went, which included uh, also many of the Gentiles. And so this scripture makes it very plain what God had in mind from the beginning until the end. And so in verse 23 we read, uh, When they persecute you, in other words, as you go into all the world and uh, to where the children of Israel are, and in the old world, you know, the concept all the world did not mean what it means today. Oftentimes just going through the Roman world or the Greek world, this is what it meant, all the world. And uh, you have to take it in the context of the time when it was given. So when the persecutor in this city flee to another, for assuredly I said to you, you will not, and he's speaking not only to the twelve disciples, because obviously there were not going to be a lie that is coming, so he's speaking about all of his disciples that were going to go into the world, you know, quote-unquote the world, the concept at the time, where the children of Israel were, and they were spread all around the earth, so to speak, uh, that means in Europe, in Turkey, in Asia, in the British Isles, different places like that. And uh, so this is what he's telling them. I said to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel. He makes it very plain. What is it that he's talking about in terms of the commission that he gave to the disciples? And uh, not only the twelve, because obviously he's speaking all the way to the time of his coming. So all these disciples that he sent, he sends them to the children of Israel, to the cities of Israel, to the people of Israel, to the wife of God, to the church of God. That's what the church is all about. And then some others that he was calling also, uh, wild olive uh, branches among the Gentiles, to be grafted into the com- commonwealth of Israel, into the church of Israel. And so that's what he says. He will... You will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And when you read the whole story, you begin to understand it better, what it really means, the statement. And now let's go to uh, chapter 12, and we read in verse 51. uh, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 15. 15 to 21. We read again the words of Jesus Christ. Uh, actually uh, he is he's talking to his uh to his people members of his wife in this case the Pharisees and he's having discussions with them back and forth and uh verse fourteen uh, i'm sorry verse twelve he's speaking about uh, no verse fifteen but when jesus knew it he withdrew from there and great multitude followed him and healed them all." In other words, he was discussing matters with the Pharisees and obviously they didn't like what uh, he had to say to them, so they plotted uh, against him. And so he just uh, went away from there. And the great multitude is in comparison to the Pharisees and speaking about the leaders of the sects, uh, people of the top, in contrast to the multitudes, their followers. And so it was uh, made very plain that even though it says he came to his own and his own rejected him, the multitude generally followed him and it's the leaders that poisoned their minds and cut them off. Although at the time they still were following him. And after that they were, they were doing the same with the disciples. The multitudes uh, had respect for what the disciples had to say, but the leaders didn't like it. And so, when Jesus knew it, in verse 15, He withdrew from there, and great multitude followed Him, and He healed them all. Not just some of them, but all of them. Yet He warned them not to make Him known. He was not interested in today's concepts of uh, preaching uh, in the tent and letting the whole world know about it, and uh, performing the supposed uh, healing uh, uh, miracles. He wanted everything done in secret. He was not interested in a great show. That was not his commission. Verse 17. So he told, you know, he told in verse 16. He warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying. So everything that Christ was talking about, everything that the disciples were talking about, always referred back to the prophets, or to the law that God Himself gave now in the person of Jesus Christ. And so you see that there is always a link, and it's an integrated book an inter- integrated uh, story, and it's not Old Testament, New Testament, you know, a book, one book for the Jews, another book for some, for the church, there's no such a thing. It's one book to the church of Israel. Now, the whole thing is about the church of Israel, and the few that God grafted along the way. And when people have this attitude, you know, I don't want to hear about the Old Testament, give me the New Testament, obviously, uh, you know, people are very illiterate, biblically, and ignorant, and the, Uh, They just developed foul attitudes that came from the counterfeit church and they're still carrying it with them without even realizing where it came from. So in verse 18 we read, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. So this is the Father here speaking. And uh, people who are not aware of uh, what uh, they're reading, they think, well, everything is just one, one God. And they don't realize there are two of them. And one is speaking but the other. And most people are not even aware that the Father has been involved, as Christ made it very plain, as I mentioned that uh, before that, very much involved with his people. He just did not reveal himself to them. Uh, he let uh, Jesus Christ, the one that became Jesus Christ, deal with them on a personal basis. And so the Father is saying, And I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the nations, And yet, in this case, he was dealing only with his own people. But ultimately speaking, he said he is going to declare justice to the nations. And personally, he did only a little bit of it with the Samaritans. But through his disciples, he sent them where all the children of Israel were and the nations that were also around them, especially in the ministry of the Apostle Paul and those who came after him. And so, in verse 19, it says, He will not call nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised bead he will not break. And smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. Now, till that begins, uh, the ultimate commission toward the end. Obviously, because the first time when he came, he was not doing that. So this is uh, in when uh, one verse in verse twenty, you see a two thousand year period, uh, and all that happened in between. And so he says, till he sends forth justice to victory. And that is that is coming, and in His name the nations will trust. And some people who do not understand think that oh, this means that now the Gentiles all come into the church and they form the church, and it is a Gentile church. And He's not talking about that. All this time, this past two thousand years, God was dealing only with the individuals among them. But when He comes, He says, and we read many prophecies about it, where God makes it very plain, it's only them that He's going to remove the lot that covers the faces of the nations, and he's going to open their eyes, and he's going to make them come to Jerusalem to worship the great king and to keep the feast, and he's going to uh, uh, make them come to Jerusalem to hear the word of the Eternal that is going to be spoken and taught by the children of Israel who will be in Jerusalem. And this is the time when he's dealing with the nations. And so, people who have no proper comprehension and understanding and no background, no context and no understanding of the statements that they read here by the prophet Isaiah, quoted by, in this case, in this passage, they get mixed up with that. And so, we're all, with all, you know, all to understand everything that we read from the point of view of the totality of the story, of the background, then we really comprehend what we are reading. Now, let's go to chapter 13, verses 10 17, where we read... And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And obviously, since God told Isaiah, Look, we are going to blind them, and uh, no matter what uh, the prophets will tell them, they are not going to understand, they are going to open the book and read it, and they will not fully comprehend and understand. They have a lot of understanding, sure. uh, Things that uh, do not require uh, uh, hiding the mystery. But as far as, the mystery of the kingdom, and uh, did things, he said, they are not going to understand? And so, when he came in person, he continued to speak to them in parables for that very reason. Because it wasn't the time yet for them to be called, and if it was, uh, wasn't the time for his nation to be called, how much less will it be the time for the Gentiles to be called? And yet they thought, well, God rejected his people and he's calling out. No, he was not. He's still dealing only with Israel. Mainly as a main body because that's his church to prepare her for the future. And then a few others that he was grafting alongside. But it's only a few and it's not the many, it's not the nations. And so they ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? They were not fully aware of what Isaiah was talking about, what God told Isaiah and the other prophets. Otherwise they would not have asked this question. In verse 11, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries That is the hidden truth of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And then verse 12, For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. In other words... The people of God still retain a measure of knowledge and understanding, but if they do reject the, uh, the God that comes to them to offer them salvation, if they totally forsake him, if they totally reject you know, his commission and his purpose on earth for them, well, obviously this will have to be the ultimate fate. But still we understand uh, very clearly that all of Israel is going to be saved, and this is talking only about the minority of them, very few of them. And so in verse thirteen here we read, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And now he is quoting what he told Isaiah in chapter six. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah, was actually it's his own prophecy, which he spoke through Isaiah, is fulfilled, which says, Hearing ye will hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye will see and not perceive, for the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and unfortunately this is the very reality that we find today not only among the physical members of the Church of God who have not been uh, called and converted yet, but also unfortunately with many of those who supposedly are the people of God and receive the Holy Spirit. They have reached a point where they are not hungry anymore nor thirst for the Word of God. and They just want to hear sweet lullabies about grace and love and, and all sweet, you know, nicey-nice nice, uh, sermons. So, we're all finding ourselves in the same condition. We're falling asleep. That's how God describes His, uh, his people at the end time. they are all fallen asleep. And we should wake up before it's too late. And so He says about His people, Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Let they should see with their eyes. You see, they are the ones that close their eyes, and therefore, God says, Okay, that's the way you want to go. I'm going to uh, shut your eyes even more so. And he would not even be able to understand simple things as much as he used to in the past. And so he says, Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart and turn, so that I should heal them. And Obviously, he's going to heal them. But he says, I don't want to do it now. And as Isaiah said, Well, and the holy seed... And that is the people of God, the people of Isaiah, the Church of God, are going to re- to return to God. But until that time, God said, I'm going to put them on the shelf. That is the ones who are not willing to respond. He's not talking about the ones who are willing to respond. And there were always those. And in the past 2,000 years, you find that there were always those who were willing to respond, who were humble and meek and trembled at the Word of God and... Uh, when the message was being preached, they listened. And so speaking, but the ones who are not. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men, prophets and righteous men, so there were a lot of people in the past beside the prophets, also righteous men, as I mentioned, you know, people who are willing to see and to hear and to humble themselves before God. And so I says, many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And so that's the reason why I spoke to them in parables uh, at this time. But even in the past, even prophets and righteous men, when they heard many of the mysteries of God of the hidden truth, to them too those things were like proper, uh, parables, because they God did not give them a, a full comprehension and understanding of what they were uh, either reading or prophesying themselves, like in the case of Daniel, as we read in chapter 11, and at the end of 11. Well, he heard all those things and he wrote them down, but he did not understand them. And to the disciples, that wonderful uh, truth was given, and they were able to do it, to understand it. And so we continue with with uh, verse 34. We read uh, all these things. Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Uh, again, that's Isaiah saying, uh, "I'll open." Well, in this case, it's not Isaiah; it's uh, David, because that was in the Psalms, Psalm seventy-eight, and verse two. Uh, uh, so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, and of course he's speaking to his own people, his own church, and they had a good measure of knowledge and understanding, and they knew the scriptures, they did not fully comprehend everything, but they knew the scriptures, so he didn't have to tell them where. He just said by the prophets, and everybody knew what he's talking about. It's from the Psalms, because they were reading them all the time. And so he says, as it was spoken by the prophets, saying, I will open my mouth in terribles, and I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And again, you see uh, how the, the message that was given to his own people was a specific one, because you could not go to the nations, to the Gentiles, and speak like that, because they wouldn't know what you are talking about. They don't know what prophet, where, and all that. So you can see how the, the emphasis of the entirety of the preaching of uh, Jesus Christ and right later on the disciples was to people who did know the Scriptures, because they were the people of Israel. And even when they went into captivity. Uh, Long ago, they still had a good measure of knowledge and understanding of the Scriptures, at least uh, some of them, if not all of them. And uh, we continue in uh, chapter 36 and verse, uh, I mean, uh, verse 36, where we read what uh, Jesus Christ continues to tell them. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Expl- Explain to us the parable of the terrace of the field. And he answered to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. And the Son of Man was going to sow the seed among his people, his church. And so, and, uh, and his church was, was uh, scattered throughout the whole world, not only in Judea, not only in the Galilee. But it was in Arabia, and uh, just like we read in the Book of Acts, uh, the Jews came from all over the world, and Israel was scattered, uh, at the time more concentrated, but still many of them were here and there. Some were in the British Isles, and some were in other parts of Europe, uh, closer to uh, to Asia Minor, and then many of them were still beyond the river, and, uh, in territory of uh, Turkey, and uh, somewhere in southern France, and... Uh, most of them were in the Scythian and Parthian Empire, where uh, history tells us that they were uh, dominating large parts of land from China to Europe. So uh, when it says about the whole world, they have to understand the concept of the time. Not today's concept, the entirety of the planet Earth. And so it says in verse 38, the shield is the world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. And who are the sons of the kingdom? You know, when you say the world, you think, well, that's everything. But when you say the sons of the kingdom, he here on his own people. They are the other sons of the kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of Israel. The kingdom uh, that God established in Israel. The kingdom about which the, the disciples said, Lord, will you restore now the kingdom to Israel? So understand the context. And so he says, uh, the, field, the field is the world. And the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, and of course around them there were also those who were not the sons of the kingdom, and God called some to of them too. And, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So among them there were also wicked people. And uh, the, this is what, what he's telling them about that kingdom. And so as, as we read the scriptures, we have to always understand it from that point of view. Of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of Israel. And that's what Christ is uh, is telling his disciples all about. Because he was sent to his own. And the commission is specifically to his own. And then verse uh, 47, uh, we read again the kingdom of heaven. And mind you, like in verse 45, the kingdom of heaven. Or verse 44, the kingdom of heaven. That was the terminology used at the time for the kingdom of God that is by God on earth. Not a kingdom of God in heaven, but the kingdom of God who is in heaven on the earth. And the kingdom was basically speaking about his own people. That's why he called it the sons of the kingdom. And so in verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but through the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age, when Christ comes back to his own people, because again when he comes back, he comes back to his own people. This is at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and the main emphasis is on Israel, and then of course you know the the others that God is calling, which are the minority, and the angels are going to cast them into the furnace of fire, as we read in uh, Malachi, you see, everything is around the people of Israel, that, you know, that's the kingdom of God. That's, uh, well, the kingdom of God to come. They're not a the kingdom now. Though there were a kingdom, a physical kingdom before that, and yet there were a physical kingdom over whom God was ruling. So in many ways, when people say, well, the church is the kingdom, well, partially uh, partially it is true if you understand the context. But if you don't, if you think the kingdom is here, then uh, you're going to something else that is not the intent of the Bible. The kingdom shall come. And yet the people of uh, Israel were the sons of the kingdom. And when you understand the context, then you, you can understand this statement that it's not all wrong to say the church is the kingdom, and yet it's not all right to say the church is the kingdom. But when you understand the context of what it means, then you can see it properly. And so God says he's going to uh, cast away the children of the kingdom who are not obedient to God. That's the reality of it. And he gave many parables about the same thing, and all of them speak about the people of God, the church of God, the people who are going to be uh, members of the kingdom of God and are going to be once they are obedient and the light of the nations uh, will be also the mother of all nations of the earth. And all of them will be finally members of the kingdom of God because God will not respect your persons. And Now let's go to chapter 15 where... God makes it very plain in verses 5 and 9 again about uh, the message that he's given to his own people, to his own nation, to his own church. And so in verses uh, 5 and 9 we read, But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me, is a gift to God, in other words, he is condemning his own people, how they are abusing the law of God, and uh, making it of none effect, and people are doing it to this very day, unfortunately, they are basically among the leaders, there is nothing new about it, and then uh, verse 6, Then he need not honor his father or mother, thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition, And in the old days they've done it in certain ways, and nowadays they've got something new that, uh, unfortunately, uh, those who are the people of God and those who are not, other churches who call themselves the people of God, they all do the same because they all, you know, uh, have the same, unfortunately, at least many of them, have the same uh, intent. Uh, They are going to to make a living at the expense of people. And uh, so instead of telling people, look, you know, the, the law of God tells us very plainly that uh, somebody has to lay a treasure for his sons and his uh, you know, sons, sons, in other words, his grandchildren too. And that's your responsibility, to make sure that they're well taken care of as much as you can. Well, instead of that, many of them are saying, well, uh, we need money, so uh, we have this program, and uh, you sign your, your house, or you sign your property, or, you know, you remember us in your will and all that. And uh, they will send you forms and give us the money. And in uh, many cases, uh, overzealous people, faithful but foolish, at the same time, they give it all to the church. And that's contrary to the law of God. And so, uh, just like they do not honor their children, and so their people also do not uh, honor their parents. They give everything that they have to the church and they forget about their parents to take care of their parents. So it goes back and forth. And God has the same, the same condemnation uh, for both of them, who are making their law God of none effect. Verse 7, he says, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain do they worship me. Because of that, because their heart is far from me, Whatever worship they give me, whatever work they do in my name, it's all in vain. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. There are many teachings that people come up with which are not of God, and this is one of them. You know, give us your money. Where on earth do you see in the Bible this kind of a, of a teaching? You know, sign, sign in your will, uh, your house and your property, whatever, to the church. Did you ever see the Levites or the priests say that to, to people? Well, the inheritance should remain within the family. and That's the law of God. That's the commandment of God. And so, there is nothing new under the earth. And that's what God thinks about people like that. And that should not be. That's ungodly. Now, there is nothing wrong for people to dedicate something and give to the church. Because that's also the part of the law of God. You know, if somebody wants to, to dedicate his his house, you know, and uh, give something, uh, uh, that's allowable too. But people are going way and above and beyond because they're greedy and, and they're covetous and, and they want more and more and more. It's never enough for them. And in the past, a lot of people out there who are disinherited and are in poverty and are hungry because of that. And though you travel in the past 2,000 years throughout uh, uh, the nations where this great counterfeit church was, that was you know, the, one of the main emph- emphases of the church, you know, covetousness. Uh, and you see rich churches, and you see rich buildings that they have, and you see richness in the ministry, you know, the, whatever they call them, different names, different organizations. And yet, at the, at the same time, you see all those poor people all around it. And uh, the preachers would always make them feel guilty, and many of them would even walk without shoes because they had to give it to the church. And we're not different today. We've seen that. Many of us live in poverty because they're supposed to give tithe, second tithe, third tithe, offering, and you know, put the rest of your money in the basket and make a will and give it to the church and so forth. That's not of God. It's the teachings of men, commandments of men. And God says, I don't accept that kind of worship and everything you do is at all in vain. And so this is the condemnation that God has against His own people, His own church. And we have to understand that from that point of view. And uh, in verse 21, we continue to read, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is a Gentile area. And uh, that is mainly a Gentile area, but also there were Israelites living there because uh, many of them were scattered throughout the the domain of uh, Rome. And that's the reason why he went up there, not that he was going to preach to the Gentiles. And verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, why would she come to him? Because she lived in an area where there were Jews. And she knew the God of the Jews. And she had enough knowledge and understanding about that religion. And so when Christ came on the scene, she knew who that person is. And she knew who he is. So you can see it. it's not just somebody, something out of the blue. You know, I have to study the background. Then you all understand what's happening here. And so she said, son of David. Who told her that he is the son of David? Well, Obviously, the people that were around, they were people of God, you know, children of God, children of the kingdom, sons of the kingdom, Jews, bas- basically. Uh, and had synagogues, and therefore the strangers would come to the synagogue and learn uh, something about God. And so she had knowledge of that. And that's the reason why she came to him, and so in verse twenty-three, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, in other words, that was his ministry of the nations. He's not coming to them, so he's not going to deal with them. It was simple as that. So he did not even answer her, and he was leaving an example to his disciples that this is not our commission. Our commission is Israel, the children of the kingdom. And when the children of the kingdom were gathered, then we can we can go to the nations. And uh, that's basically what he was. He uh, was also trying to show there. And so he answered, he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, "Send her away, for she cries after us." They didn't say, "Well, she has a request, she has a need, she is a human being too." You know, why don't you do something about her? No, so send her away, because they knew that's not the commission to the nations. That's not the time. Even though God was dealing still, even at that time, like with the Samaritans. With some of them but he was trying to make a point here and so he made it in verse 24 but he answered and said I was not sent except you see the exception except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel that's my church that's my people this is my wife and I'm their husband and he was still their husband at that moment And so he said, I'm not dealing with the nations, that's not the time for them. And so, verse 25, Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread, children of the kingdom, you see, his own people. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. In other words, not that he was calling her a dog, But dogs are not children. Dogs are pets. You can love them, but they are not children. They will be children in the future. They are not going to be little dogs anymore, or big dogs, or whatever, or swine. In other words, when God grafts people into his kingdom, now he removes the separation between them and his people, as Paul later on will explain, and at that point they become sons of the kingdom, children also of Abraham and and fellow heirs with the saints who are the children of God, you know, the children of Israel and members of the Commonwealth of Israel. But until that time, they are in a category that is not the same as children. And that's in essence what he's trying to say. And this is basically what he, to- he told his disciples too. When you go into the world, you go to the lordship sheep of the house of Israel because I was sent to them and you are going to be sent to them too. You just follow my example. And then those among them who fear God, uh, who are not uh, of Israel, well, they too can respond, and I will uh, deal with them because God is not a respecter of persons. But as a whole, He was not dealing with the nations of the world, only with His own people, and so it is to the end of time. And that's why He said earlier, and He put all the scriptures together, scriptures together from the beginning until then, and He gave the picture very plainly. That's why He said earlier that you shall not go into all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man came. You know, come. In other words, so He, he made it very plain in many, many places. You put it all together, then you get the picture properly. And it's not that God forsook His people, rejected them, and put down Israel and picked up the church. It's something. And now the church is a different entity made of all the nations of the earth. No, that's not the church. The church is made of Israel, and then the few individuals that God grafted along with them. And that's basically the story. And it's only at the end time that through Israel, when all of Israel is being saved, Unless uh, is coming, those who are alive, that He is going to begin to deal with all the nations of the earth as nations, and they too will become yeah, the other sons, that will be children of the kingdom. And yet, because of her faith, God showed her respect and uh, her humbleness, where she said, uh, "Yes, Lord, even the little dogs, you know, just like the little, uh, the sort of speaking you know, of the the strangers, or the sojourners." You know, the Gentiles came to the synagogue to hear, so to speak, you know, uh, little tidbits, you know, from uh, the Word of God. You know, like coming for the crime, so to speak. But they were not allowed in. You know, dogs are without, biblically speaking. They don't belong inside the house. Uh, in other words, they're going to inherit, like sons. Uh, they're not members of the family. And so you don't give them the same treatment. And so uh, she said, well... I mean, uh, you know, they're both, so to speak, speaking in parables, but they understand each other, and you have to understand the context of the time to understand what, what is being said here. So she's talking about the fact that Gentiles were allowed into the vicinity of the temple, not inside, but there was a court of the Gentiles where they could hear the word of God. God wanted it that way from the beginning of time. And Gentiles were allowed into the land of Israel, and God said, we treat them nice and well. And Gentiles were allowed to come around the synagogue, and the Jews allow them to come and hear the word of God, and this is what she's talking about. But always acknowledging that Israel is the people of God, and Christ makes it very plain. That's his church, and that's his people, and his commission is to them, and the commission of his disciples is to them. But then he's going to allow also a few others around to be grafted in, and that's what the context of the whole story is all about. And so she said, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Just, uh, he said earlier, but the centurion, he was very impressed with his faith. The centurion was is not an Israelite, but he was like in this category. uh, Somebody that was allowed to come to the synagogue outside and listen to the word of God. So, he had faith as he heard those things, and faith comes by hearing. So he heard the word of God and had faith, and therefore God could deal with him, and have compassion on him and mercy, and he was impressed with his faith. And so that's what we read here too. And uh, then we continue the story in chapter 16. In chapter 16, we're going to hear a very interesting uh, uh, discussion here, because a lot of people had an awful lot of misunderstanding, not understanding what uh, the context is all about. And so we go to verse 18, where, in verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So you see how the Father is involved in dealing with his children, even though he is not openly involved like Christ is, yet he's involved to a large degree. And uh, you see the scriptures here and there all around from the beginning until the end. And the question was, "In you know, who am I?" Uh, well, Christ asked his disciples, "Who do you say that I am?" Because obviously the people did not fully comprehend that, that uh, he is, you know, beyond just the Son of David. He is the Son of God. He is God. He's the God of Israel. He's is the one that gave them the law. He's the one that married them, and he's the one right here before them. And they did not recognize. Imagine that the wife became so blind she did not recognize her husband when he came to her. Only the very few did, and the ones to whom the Father uh, made that revelation known. And this is what he's saying here. So in verse 18 he continues, And I also say to you, that is to you, Peter, that you are Peter, you know, you are a little rock. And on this rock, you see, speaking about himself, I will build my church. Now so far since he came to his own, his own people, his own wife, his own church, what's the context? The context is, he's speaking about the people of Israel. That's all he was speaking about. And he was not, as people think, well, he's going, he's speaking now about something, uh, uh, that is a new, you know, a new thing on the scene. Uh, people called from all nations of the earth, and they formed the church. Uh, obviously, because the overwhelming majority of the people on the earth are not Israelites, therefore, the church is basically a Gentile church. You know, and few, so, you know, gonna allow a few Jews here and there, which is fine. Uh, I mean, they, took it totally in the opposite direction. Well, that's not what God ever had in mind, and this is now what is being revealed here. And this is now what is being spoken here. When Christ said, I will build my church, he's speaking about His own wife that was now in ruin because of the shepherds who led her astray, and His vineyard, as He called uh, His church many times, and His wife uh, was not being taken care of by the shepherds. And so the wolves were coming in and grabbing things from all over the place. And Christ said, I'm going to build my wife. I'm going to build Israel. I'm going to build the church. That's what he's talking about. And the gates of of Hades shall not prevail against it. And you see those scriptures very plainly as you go to the Hebrew scriptures, uh, to the prophets in Jeremiah 33, verses 19 to 26, where God made it very plain that even if the stars you know, as long as there are stars in heaven, galaxies, uh, universe out there, and sun, as long as they are there, he said, there will be Israel. In other words, the gates of hell can never prevail against my church, my people, my my wife. And so it wasn't something new, a new message. And yet those who have no background don't understand what they are reading. having no context. God made it very plain from the beginning of time. When he swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he meant that to be an eternal promise. And so obviously the gates of hell, the grave, that is, can never prevail against it. And then you go forward into Revelation, the last chapter, verse 21, and verse uh, 2 and 3, where you read about the 12 gates, after the names of Israel, the 12 foundations, after the names of the apostles who were all Jews, all Israel, were are going to have 12 thrones ruling over the 12, of the, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel. So that's what he's talking about. The gates of hell can never prevail against my church, my people, the people of Israel. In other words, I never forsook them. And yet, look what the counterfeit church has made of these scriptures. They have no knowledge, no understanding, no comprehension of what they read. And many of us, unfortunately, are also blind in many ways. And when we read these scriptures, because of our background, since we came from those churches of Revelation 17, we brought that understanding with us, and we don't comprehend it properly we got to read the whole story, as many used to say in the past, and people don't didn't pay attention to them as they should. Read the book. Read the whole thing. Then you'll understand what you're reading as you come down the road. That's basically what he's saying here. And so he says, the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And I will give the, you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You know, the kingdom, and it's not, you know, in the pearly gates. Speaking about the kingdom is going to be uh, the kingdom of uh, his people. And the kingdom that is going to reign over over the hands of Jacob. That's well, That's the kingdom of heaven. Because it's the kingdom from heaven. And God is going to give his people his Holy Spirit and they'll all be sons of the kingdom. Spiritually also, not just physically. And so I say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Well, through Moses he explained all that, what it means. But when the priest You know, has uh, the people of Israel come to him to ask a question about this and that, you know, whatever comes out of the mouth of the priest, which is according to the law of God, uh, that shall be bound, and anybody who goes contrary to it, God says he's going to be a presumptuous person, and God is going to take it personally against him. So that's what he's talking about here. And so he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Some people today have no knowledge and understanding of what the church is all about, of what the, the so-called New Testament is all about, of who Israel is and all that. Uh, sometimes they say, well, you know, we read in the New Testament, we don't really see much about government and about this and about that. And the reality is that if they have known the book they preach from properly, they would have never said that, they would have never made that statement. Because the entirety of the book is one. It's the nation of Israel, it's the people of God, it's the church of God. All I had to do is go to Moses, and God says, "Had you believed, Moses it would have believed me." Okay. Well, anyway, we're going to stop now. This is again Mordecai Joseph. Sing greetings to all of God's people. Until next. The preceding message was taken from the worldwide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.